אבל אני מקשר עצמנו לאכול את הצדיקים האמיתיים שבדינו לאכול את הצדיקים האמיתיים. שוכנע אפר קדוש עם אשר בעצמה ובפרט לרבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחל נובע מכל חוכמה רבי נחמן בן פגה. נא נח נחמן נחמן מאומה. זה איכותו יגן עלינו והכל ישראל. אמן. אמן. אוקיי. So before we get started into the class, we're going to do what we usually do, and we're going to do this class for the Refu Ashlema of... Yaakov Ben Berta. Yaakov Ben Berta. David Menashe Ben Asher. David Menashe Ben Asher. Daniel Yehuda Ben Rivka Shoshana Esther Batchaya. רב רפאל פינטו, בן רחל פינטו, רבקה בת אסתר מכה, שרה בת חיה, בנימין בן חנה, בתיה בת שרה, שמעון בן ג'קלין, שני חיה בת מרים, יוריה מאור בן סודה, יונתן בן לאה, גדול בת זיצלה, ראובן בן זוהרה, יחמיאל, דניאל בן טובה באשה, אברהם בן מסאודי, הרי ניסים בן ימנה, טייטה פינטו, שלמה בן שרה, רחל בן שרה, שלמה בן חסיבה, אין לה רפן עליהם, אין לה רפן עליהם, אין לה רפן עליהם, בזכות התתיק יסוד העולם, ישלח לכם, וכל עמי ישראל, עמו ישראל, רפואה שלמה. אלעזר בן דוד ורוחמה רוזת בת רחה מנשה בן דוד בן רחל ומסוד פלאורית בת שמחה מליסי בן יוג'ין גנסיה רבנית מזרטוב בת מוחה פינטו ניסים בן אסתר אדמור חמים בן שלום אג'אג' ז'ינת נינה היה בת יוסף גדליה נפתלי דניאל בן סוליקה רזל בת פחל רחל חיה יפה בת ויקטור מרים סימון בת חנה אילן מסיקה בן שושנה, ירדן בן אורלי, יעקב בן מרים, חיה בת פרלה. תהיה נשמתם בצורה וזכור החיים. אוקיי, so tonight David and I we're gonna share a class it might be leaning towards one side or the other who knows where it's gonna go but it's gonna be a very special class because as David mentioned last week we were speaking about the tzaddik the tzaddik being this figure that can bring B'nai Yisrael closer to their father in heaven. But last night he introduced the class with a lot of uh, stories about Saba Yisrael, a massive breast of a chassid, uh, uh, the tzaddik of his generation, the one who received the petek. And he discussed a lot about the power of the tzaddik and what the tzaddik can do, but tonight we're gonna go deep into it. And during the next few weeks before Lag Baomer, which is the Hilula of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the day of the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who is a massive tzaddik, the tzaddik Yisodoram, who Rabbi Avram Berav Nachman says, who was a big tzaddik, um, one of the students of the, um, one of the students of the main student of Rabbi Nathan, the main student of the main student of Rabbi Nathan. He writes that the two most unique tzaddikim to come down were Rabbi Shem Bar Yochai and Rabbi Nachman. And they're one union, they're one idea. So 
Rashbi Hilula is on Lagba Omer, and we're prepping all these classes that David started and we're going to continue going with until Lagba Omer about the power of the tzaddik. And David has a very special class prepared on Lagba Omer about a very special encounter between Rabbi Shon Yochai and Rabbi Nachman, but I'm not going to get into it because that's reserved for that day. But we're going to speak tonight about the importance of the tzaddik, attaching yourself to the tzaddikim and why it's so important to do that, and specifically to focus on one tzaddik by the name of Rabbi Nachman. So I'll introduce a few ideas about the tzaddik mentioned in a few different sources like the Zohar and the Gemara and different places about the importance and how powerful the tzaddikim are. And then we'll, tra- uh, we'll transition into this idea about attaching yourself to the tzaddikim. We'll mention a few different stories and so on and so forth. And we'll finish off with the teaching of Rabbi Nachman. Maybe get into the idea of Uman Rosh Hashanah. And I want to leave, leave some time for some questions as well. Because this is probably the most important topic in Resef Torah. It's the tzaddik. It's the fundamental idea. And it's really what makes someone really understand the teaching of Rabbi Nachman. You know, many times you see people, they'll study the teaching of Rabbi Nachman or different tzaddikim. But they, I'll, I'll specifically mention Rabbi Nachman in this case, but they won't necessarily go travel to the tzaddik. They won't necessarily draw a very deep connection with him and to speak to him and to, to really connect your soul to him. It's just about the knowledge and the wisdom. And the truth is, the knowledge and the wisdom is not even a drop compared to the connection and the love that you have for the tzaddik. As Yeshua and I were talking earlier today, he's saying there's nothing like the love you have for the tzaddik. The love that a person has for the tzaddik is what draws the, the most fundamental and the, the strongest connection between you two. Not the teachings, because you can fulfill as much as you want, but if you don't connect to the person behind it, then it's worth nothing. So truthfully, a person can go his entire life, God forbid, whatever, if he doesn't study the teaching of Rabbi Nachman, but to draw the connection is the fundamental piece. And this is something very unique to Breast of Torah, in the idea of connecting to the tzaddik and to draw a connection with the person that you're studying about, the person that you're going to fulfill his ideas and his teachings. And we're going to study a little bit about Rabbi Nachman tonight and to understand a drop in the ocean of who this tzaddik really is because he's massively special and was already deemed at the beginning of time before the creation of the world that he would come at this time and this place to bring all, of their, all, the, children of, all the children of Hashem back to Hashem Yidvach. So, we'll get started with a few different sources and we'll move forward. And David will cut me off and whoever's got a question, it's important to ask because it is an extremely important concept. In fact, the most important concept there is. And I want everyone to understand it. So if people have problems with it, this is very normal. Because for those who also get into it, it's something very common that we always have questions with this. Because it's tr- the truth is, it's not very traditional. It's a very new idea. Because the way we grow up, it's not necessarily something that is ingrained in our faith to attach ourselves to a certain tzaddik. So let's break down all the barriers tonight, ask all the questions we need, because going forward, this is the most important thing, to understand, to attach yourself to the tzaddik, and the rest is just secondary. So this is a very fundamental idea, and with the help of Hashem and the schut of the tzaddik, we'll, we'll, we'll do well with it, we'll, we'll continue with this. Okay. So, in the Gemara and Masechet Yoma, I'm going to give the sources that way there's no confusion and people can look it up, so there's no uh, disconnect. In the Gemara and Masechet Yoma, in Daf Lamed Chet Amud Bet, which means 38b, it says that in the merit of one tzaddik, the entire world stands. As we know in the Pasuk, tzaddik yesod olam. It says 
I'm gonna find the source right now. Sorry, it's uh, I'm not very uh, I'm not very good with this. But it does say a pasuk, but the pasuk called Tzadik Yisodolam. I think I erased it, but I think it's in Mishle, in Perek Yud, in chapter ten, verse fifteen. A pasuk called Tzadik Yisodolam. That Tzadik is the foundation of the world. Maybe later on we'll get into a story about what this really means, but we'll explain a story basically right now about the Koach of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai to explain what this really means. Because he brings this pasuk, this verse, to explain his real power and what he's able to do. And it's a beautiful story. And I'll give it right after I say this other quote, this other source of the Gemara, which it says in Masach and Mu'ad Kata, it said, God decrees different things down to the world and the tzaddik nullifies it. And when the tzaddik decrees, Hashem fulfills. Ha tzaddik gozer, Hashem mekayem. So there's a very interesting thing going on here that Hashem also calls out in the Gemara and Masechet Mo'ad Katan. It says that Hashem calls out to all the angels around him and says, who rules over me? I don't know the exact wording. We were studying it today. It's funny. And what does Hashem answer? It says, Hat Tzadik. The Tzadik rules over me. Why? Because Hashem decrees, but the Tzadik nullifies all the, the things that he doesn't like. <laughs> Whatever Hashem. So the Tzadik picks and chooses. If he likes something that God decrees to the world, he can completely bring it into the world and allow it to enter. And if not, he'll completely cancel it. And we'll see this story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai right now. And I'll read it inside because there's obviously a very deep idea about reading the words of the Zohar. Because the words in itself have a very big power to bring refuah and healing to a person. This is the power of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that he completely transformed the language of Aramaic into something of complete um, awe and beauty. It's, uh, it's unbelievable that just the words, even without understanding it, you get schar limud, you get schar of understanding the Torah. We know all the other Torah, if you don't understand it, you don't get schar limud. You don't get the reward of learning it. You might get reward for effort. The only teachings, maybe we can say Rabbeinu also, because it's the same Inyan. But the only book really where it's known that a person studies it and he doesn't understand it, he gets schar limud, reward for learning, is the Zohar. People just read it and read it and read it because there's big, big reparations to do. So, I'll explain a little story and cut me off if you guys have any questions because um, we're gonna go into it directly. One time, Rabbi Shimon went outside. What happened? He saw the world completely dark. And the sun, the light of the sun was completely sealed off. Like as if a cloud completely covered it, there was no sun whatsoever. Imagine Choshech in Egypt, this was it. And he saw that the world was completely dark, the sun was uh, completely sealed off. So he told his son, Rabbi Elazar, Let's come and see what Hashem wants to do to the world. What did it say? They went and they found one big malach that was similar and that had the appearance of a massive mountain. So Rabbi Shimon, his son, are coming before the big angel. And what happened? 30 flames of fire were coming out of his mouth, this angel. And here you have Rabbi Shimon and his son coming to speak to this angel. Rabbi Shimon said to the angel, Go ask Hashem, and go tell him that Bar Yochai, the son of Yochai, is in the world. Go tell him I'm here. That I have the power to completely remove this decree. 
That's what he tells the angel. He's sending, he's sending him on a mission. So this malach came before God, this angel came before God, following the instructions of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So the Malach presents himself before God and says, Ribona Master of the Universe, let me come and present to you what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai told me. What did Hashem say back to the angel? Go and destroy the world and don't pay attention whatsoever to Rabbi Shimon. We're going to see how Rabbi Shimon reacts to that. This is God talking. When the Malach came before Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon told the Malach, he already told, so basically, the Malach came before Rabbi Shimon and told him exactly what happened. And Rabbi Shimon did not like the answer. Rabbi Shimon goes to the Malach and tells him, if you're not going to go to Hashem again, I will decree upon you, you're never going to go up there ever again. You're going to stay down here forever. I'm not going to say the names. And you're going to stay in the same place like these two angels, as we know, were two types of angels that descended to the world and they sinned with, uh, they, they went against the decree of Hashem. They came down here and they sinned with people and they procreated basically. And from these two angels come the Nephilim, the giants, like Og and other different types of people we know. But these are the two angels that were stuck down here because of their sin. They can't go up there. Rabbi Shimon said, if you don't go, this is what's going to happen to you. And whenever you enter before Hashem, say in my name, if there's not 30 tzaddikim in the world, let there be 10. It says in the Pasuk, I will not do anything because of 10. Meaning what? 10 can stop a decree. And if there's not 20, my bad, sorry, there's 20, sorry, my bad. If there's not 30, there's 20. Meaning if there's not 30, there's 20 tzaddikim. And if it says in the Pasuk, I will not do because of 20. And now he goes on to say, if there's not 20, let there be 10, right? That 10 can protect the generation. I will not destroy because of the 10. And this is, by the way, this is brought in the Zohar on Parashat Vayera, which is a known story that Abraham did this to protect Sedom, right? That he wanted to destroy, to annul the decree that was going on Sedom. So he does the same thing. And we know Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is doing the same thing. So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, if there's not 20, there's 10. As it says, I will not do because of 10. Now, look, this is where he goes. This is where it's fascinating as we're going to connect to the Pasuk Tzadik Yisodolam. And if there's not 10 Tzadikim that protect the generation, there's just me and my son. Me and Rabbi Lazar. It says, Just because of two witnesses, the matter shall be fulfilled. Which matter? The matter that Rabbi Shimon Barachai wanted to know the decree. So what's Rabbi Shimon saying? Just because of me and my son, we can completely remove the decree from the world. And this is the part where I'm hitting at. And there's no such thing when it says davar in the Torah, it means olam, world. So what did it say? Because of two witnesses, the world can stand. So Rabbi Shimon Baruch is saying, just because of me and my son, it's enough. As it says in the Pasuk, with the word of Hashem, the heavens were created. 
let teren ha itchad. And if there's not two, there's one. Va'anahu, and I'm that one. Shani atzadik esodolam. That I'm the tzadik, the pillar of the world. Va'ani ro'ele again al koladora, and I'm fitting to protect the entire generation. Yichtiv v'tzadik esodolam. As it says in the pasuk, v'tzadik esodolam. So, what happened? So after Rabbi Shimon Barachai tells this angel, go tell God this and tell him that there's one in the world and that just with me can protect the world. At that moment, a voice came out from the heavens. Happy is the portion of Rabbi Shimon. That Hashem decrees up there and you completely nullify down here. And upon you it was said, the will of his fearful ones he does. The ones who fear him he does. Meaning Rabbi Shimon Baruchai attained such a level that no matter what he said, God was forced to, to fulfill. But only the Tzadik Yisodoram. Rabbi Shimon Baruchai. So that's a little thing about Rabbi Shimon and the power of the Tzadik. But there's a little bit more I want to get into. Now, before I get into this inan of attaching to the tzaddik, I'm going to name one or two more different things that it says across the Torah and across different sources, and we'll get into this inan of attaching yourself to the tzaddikim. So it says about the tzaddikim in the Zohar, it says all the blessings in the world, all the shefa in the world comes down because of the tzaddik, in the merit of the tzaddik. So all shefa passes through him. And we know again in the Zohar, and it says, were it not for the prayers of the tzaddikim, the world could not stand for even one minute. So even after the tzaddikim, after they pass away also, who've passed on, the Zohar says, the tzaddikim who've passed on, they keep the world just because of their prayers. And we see this many times, that we were saved from Yamsuf because of Yosef, uh, Yosef tzaddik. We see it many times that Yaakov presented many different things. Rachel made Hashem force, force Hashem to redeem the Jewish people. We know many times that the tzaddikim come on and force Hashem to do different things because of their merit. So there's lots of different things here. That Sadiq has a power, in essence, to know the decrees of Hashem, which is a pretty you know, a magnificent idea. <clears throat> so now I'm going to transition into the sinyan of attaching yourself to the Sadiqim because this is where the really important thing is, is going on. So it says in a pasuk in Shemot, it says, Moshe took the tent, and he set up the tent of meeting outside the, uh, the Mishkan, and it was that all those who went to seek out Hashem went to the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting. So there's an obvious question, not an obvious question. Rabbeinu Bechaye asked this question. He asked the question that if it says that Moshe Rabbeinu set up the tent of meeting outside the Mishkan, then how is it that Hashem, it says that all those who want to seek Hashem will go to the Mishkan? There's a disconnect. First you say Moshe Rabbeinu sets up the tent. And then it says all those who want to seek Hashem should go to the, uh, the Ohel Moed. It should say all those who want to seek Moshe. What do we learn from this? That Rabbeinu Bechaye says anyone who attaches something so deeply is called by that name. So Moshe Rabbeinu was so humble and completely filled himself up with the fear of God that he was completely only here in this world just to do God's will. That it said those who want to seek Moshe were as if they were seeking Hashem. And what do we learn from that? That to come to Hashem Yidbarach, Rabbi Nathan said, you have to come to the tzaddik. To attach yourself to Hashem, you first have to attach yourself to the tzaddik. Because what does it say? Moshe set up the tent, and those who went to seek out Hashem went to the tent. But first, who is the one who set it up? Moshe. Meaning, in order to seek out Hashem, you first have to seek out Moshe. 
And Rabbi Nathan goes on to this idea of the Mishkan. He goes even further. He says, just to show you how far it goes about this inyan, this idea of attaching yourself to the tzaddik. Who's bigger? Someone small attached to the tzaddik, meaning someone who does sins and whatever it is, but he's attaching himself to the tzaddik and who really has emunan the tzaddikim. Or someone who's very big and who's very kadosh, but he's not attached to any tzaddik. And you know what Rabbi Nathan writes? The small person next to the tzaddik is bigger. And you know why? Because whenever anyone wanted to bring a donation to the Mishkan, they first had to bring it to Moshe. Even the biggest donation brought on their own without giving it to Moshe first was not valid. It was completely pasul. We see here that nothing works if you don't attach yourself to the tzaddik. That the tzaddik is the route in which we have to understand and take guidance from. Because he understood Hashem more than anyone else. And we see here that it says, Moshe is the one who builds a Mishkan. And in order to donate to the Mishkan, and what's the Mishkan? It's where the Shekhinah rests. Mishkan comes in the word Shochen, Shekhinah. Where Hashem's divine presence is, you cannot come there unless you go to Moshe first. We know Moshe gave the Torah. That many times Hashem, twice it says, He tried giving the commandments and we all died. Meaning you cannot survive whenever Hashem Himself, you try to connect to Him. You first have to come and attach yourself to the Tzaddik. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> So, I'm going to get into a few ideas about different places where we see this idea. Where we see this idea of attaching yourself to the tzaddikim. Not only do we see this right now, we see this with the Moshe Rabbeinu and the Mishkan. We also see this with um, a pasuk in Divrei Ayamim. In Divrei Ayamim, it says that the people mock the messengers of Hashem. That the messengers of Hashem, basically the Nevi'im and the tzaddikim, the prophets and the righteous people, were mocked. And because of this, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. The Midrash goes on to say, in Yalkut Shimoni, the Midrash goes on to say, first off, the Gemara says, the passing of the Tzaddik is as severe as the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The Midrash goes on further and says, no, the passing of the Tzaddik is even worse than the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Because what do we see? The Beit HaMikdash cannot stand if not for the Kohen Gadol. That the Kohen Gadol, what did he do? He provides atonement for his house, his um, himself, his house, and the entire Am Yisrael. But there's one tzaddik, it's the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol is the one doing this entire Avodah. That without the Kohen Gadol, the Beit HaMikdash cannot stand. And we see that this idea that mocking the messengers of Hashem is something very common. And this is what caused the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. That really, what does the Beit HaMikdash represent? It represents the tzaddik. And we even say going to the Kever of Tzadikim represents as if you're in the Kodesh HaKadashim. It's the land of Eretz Yisrael. So there's lots of deep things with regard to the Tzadik. The Tzadik represents something beautiful. Hopefully if I have a little time later, I'll discuss a little bit about Uman and what people say you shouldn't go leave Eretz Yisrael or whatever it is. There's Eretz Yisrael, you don't need to go to Uman. These common misconceptions. Mocking is Machloket, same thing. Yeah. yeah. There's a lesson in Likut Moran where it says that there's people that they, they speak against the tzaddikim, divrei atak ve'gahava vavuz. It's a pasuk containing. They speak against them words of can, uh, of like arrogance, and they speak against these people with hate and disgust. But those people, you know what they're called? Shedin Yehudain. They're called the Jewish demons, because a person who's not attached to the tzaddik has no connection to Hashem. Okay. It means 
have to you have to pray the tzaddik in order to get to Hashem, or you have to, what does it mean exactly? So, there's an inyan. There's not really praying to the tzaddik. The tzaddik prays for you, but it means going to the tzaddik and telling the tzaddik, I don't know how to pray. I'm going to tell you everything I want and you do the tefillah for me because I know you're the best prayer. You know the Bar Shem Tov once asked around and he asked Achia Hashironi, his prophet who was teaching him. He asked him, who's the best prayer? Who prays like me? He said, oh, who prays like you? There's a better prayer. And the Bar Shem Tov wasn't asking out of the gava. He was asking out of because he wants to be the best. He wants to connect to Hashem in the best way. He wants to know, he wants to learn from someone who really prays the best. So the Bar Shem Tov sets out on a journey. Achia Ashironi, the prophet Achia, sends him on a journey to go find this person who prays better than him. And look at this. The Bashantov goes out a few weeks and he finds like, and he comes to a town and he meets a person by the name Chaim, who Achia had warned him, this is the person that prays the best. That Hashem derives the most enjoyment from this guy's prayers. So Bashantov hides behind the bush and he's starting to see him pray. And this man Chaim is sitting under a tree. What does Chaim do? The Bashantov notices him that he just keeps repeating the same things. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, He, Vab. And he goes through the entire Aleph, Bet. After Taf, he goes back to Aleph, Bet. The Bar Shem Tov asks Achia, what's going on here? Achia says, go ask him for yourself. Why does Hashem derive so much enjoyment from his tefillah? So, Bar Shem Tov goes to him and he asks him, what are you doing? He says, I don't know how to read the Aleph, Bet. All I know is the letters. I don't know how to read. I don't know the tefillot. But what I do know is that I don't know how to pray. So I give Hashem the Aleph Bet, which is the organization and the entire system through which all the words are built, and Hashem prays for me. No. Who prays better than Hashem is the question. The Bar Shem Tov was praying with his own Koah, but who prays better than Hashem? This person had so much simplicity, he went and he said, Hashem, I don't know anything. You pray for me. And there's another story of the Bar Shem Tov where one time the Bar Shem Tov came across someone who on a Friday night ended up going through the entire Sidur doing Hashkava, doing uh, Rosh Chodesh. It wasn't any of those things. He was doing Arvit, Mincha, Shacharit. He was doing the entire tefillah. The Bar Shem Tov said, if you want, I can teach you a few things of how to pray. And he gave him a few notes. This man, one time saw the Bar Shem Tov with all his notes in his Sidur. He really much enjoyed what the Bar Shem Tov told him. This man, he sees the Bar Shem Tov walking across the forest. And he goes, on a he goes to follow him. But he sees the Bar Shem Tov very far. So he screams, Bar Shem Tov, Bar Shem Tov. But the Bar Shem Tov, is walking. The man follows him and he sees Bashem Tov pull out, I think, what was it, a page? No. A belt? <laughs> a belt. He, does, he used to do it with the belt and stuff like that. He put it in the water. So he put the belt, he lays it across the water and he starts walking across the water. This man sees the Bashem Tov. He doesn't know anything. He does the same thing, puts the belt, walks across the water and, and taps on the Bashem Tov's shoulder. Bashem Tov. I have a question. I have a question on Tfilah. Bashem Tov says, how'd you get here? <laughs> the man answers I did exactly what you did I saw what you did He said You don't need my tefillot You're, you're perfect just the way you are <laughs> The Bashem understood That better than teach him All the tefillah He had his simplicity To go on And to continue With the Avodat Hashem Because the truth is Rabbeinu says one thing Rabbi Nachman says one thing The ikar The essence to really attain The Ketushah of Hashem Is Pshitut Because who's more simple than God You know the Ariza Goes on to say Hashem there's an inyan that it says, the or and sof, the light of Hashem, the infinite one, is pashut. It's or pashut. It's a simple light. God is completely simple. The truth is, we're so sophisticated. We provide sophistication. We need to do this and this and this. Rabbeinu said, sophistications are not necessary whatsoever. 
whatsoever. So we see here the power of this idea that when you have this pshitut and you connect to Hashem in the way that you're, you're doing, it's, um, it's the best way possible. No matter where a person is, he can connect to Hashem in the best way. All it is is just having the ratzon, the will, the desire to get close to Hashem. That's the most important thing. I don't know where I was before, but... Whoa. <laughs> so, because there, there's something really important to understand on that question. The, in reality, the um, sorry, the uh, when you go back even to the stories in, in Tanakh, and even if you go to the stories in in the Torah, when you look at Moshe Rabbeinu, the tzaddik is a representation of Hashem. Even whenever Yosef comes in front of Hashem in in, in front of Paro, and even when. Um, you see Yaakov, th there's quotes that discuss, and, and even in the Kabbalah, they discuss how a tzaddik is Isha Sheruach Elokimbo. It's a man with the spirit of God within him. And so because the tzaddik becomes so holy, like Moshe said in the example of Rabbi Shmuel Baruchai and Arizal, and very, very special holy tzaddikim, become people that they actually have the divinity of Hashem within them. They actually become the Merkava of Hashem. They become the utensils of Hashem in this world. And it's Mamash, divinity of Hashem. The Shekhinah of Hashem dwells upon them. One time the Arizal was praying, and in Birkat Kwanim, Rav Chaim Vital wanted to see from his master, he wanted to see in front of his teacher, the kavanot that Darizal does and what he looks like during the, the middle of Birkat Kwanim. One day Darizal looked at Rav, uh, Rav Chaim Vital and he told him over Shabbat, he said, you have a lot of pain in your eyes, right? He said, yes. He said, you're starting to lose your vision because you look at me in the middle of Birkat Kwanim and know that the divine presence of Hashem is right in front of me at that moment. So when you see that, it's burning your eyes, even though you don't recognize it. So the truth is that because the tzaddik is a true representation of Hashem, people have to understand that the tzaddik's will and the will of Hashem is one and the same. It's only to bring the Jewish people back to Hashem. But because the tzaddik, it says, no, we have to separate the concept of a regular tzaddik. We walk around today, we use tzaddik like it's a buzzword. We say, oh, you're a tzaddik, you're a tzaddik, you're a tzaddik. It's not the traditional sense of the tzaddik. And so people forgot the concept of the tzaddik for a very, very long time. Moshe Rabbeinu was the tzaddik Yisodolam. It took a very long time for people to understand that. It was not explained at all. In fact, to the point that the Jewish people lost the concept of the Tzadik Yisodoram. So much so to the point that they lost faith in him that when they did the Chet HaEgel, most commentaries from the Midrash to the Kabbalah explain that the Jewish people, when they did the sin of the Golden Calf, they were not replacing God. They were replacing Moshe. So the sin of what they were actually doing is that they were trying to find an intermediary to get back to Hashem. And the tzaddik is only one thing. Even when the Zohar discusses the Kohanim in, in the books of Vayikha and discusses the process of what the Kohen Gadol does, the Kohen Gadol is a representation of the tzaddik. It's the intermediary. That's why the Kohen Gadol does the Birkat Kohanim. He passes the bracha from the upper realms through his hands and into the, and into the world to give to Ben Yisrael. So the tzaddik is the representation of Hashem to give the bracha. Now, when people attach themselves to the tzaddik, think about it as a simple person that, for example, whenever they need to do things, for example, in this world, we use intermediaries for things. The more intermediaries that we actually use because of sophistication, the less we are connected to Hashem. But there's one thing that is the perfect intermediary of Hashem that you can use Him for anything and there's no sophistication and there is nothing that removes imuna, and that is connection to the tzaddik. But the second a person starts interacting with other things in the process that don't bring them closer to Hashem, then it's not real. And so only the tzaddik is is the complete capacity of Hashem in this world to help bring a person back to Hashem because the tzaddik takes completely nothing for his own will. He's in complete anava. He's so humble that he doesn't want any honor of himself. He just wants to bring the Bnei Yisrael back. 
but he knows the right way to do it because he knows the rectification. That Sadiq Yisrael knows Chokhmat Apartzuf, which is discussed in Parashat Yitro, where a person, a Sadiq, can look at your face and he can tell you about the beginning and the end of your soul, about all the rectifications you need to do. That's the real Sadiq Yisrael. Not a Sadiq that walks around today, not a Mekubal, not a random rabbi in a shul. A real Sadiq Yisrael looks at your face and he tells you everything you need to do to get back to Hashem. So, yeah, and there's, and there's five to that degree that came out openly and said, I have this nishama. I have the nishama of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe had it. Then you had Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that openly came out and said it. You had the Arizal that came out and said it. And you had the Baal Shem Tov that said it. And Rabbi Nachman said it. Nobody else came out openly and said that I am the foundation of the world that can do this type of rectification to all the souls of Bnei Yisrael, that they need me. So because of these people were very special, the question is how do we, in being able to connect with Sadiqim, know how to direct our prayers and how to connect with them in a way that's loving towards them and loving towards Hashem. But understand that if you do it right, you will never ever remove from Hashem and give to the tzaddik or vice versa, or give to the tzaddik and remove from Hashem. There is none of that. The process when it's complete in perfection, you will be completely unified because it's one and the same. It's like a parent that doesn't derive any benefit from a child coming to be able to talk to their parents. There's never a feeling of if you're asking for advice from your parent that you feel like you're lacking from anything from Hashem. But the second people start to add sophistication to situations and they don't feel like they're treating their parents properly and they start asking friends and family and other people and then they don't trust their parents. They don't trust the person that's very loved or very close. Then there's this feeling of, well, why don't you trust me? Why did you go to someone else? So there's lots of examples like this in the Torah, but this is just a little bit of an idea and we're gonna, we'll keep on going through it and we're gonna get a lot deeper as this class goes on. But this is just a little bit into being able to just connect with Sadiq. There's three things. If you want specific things, Rabbeinu says three things to attach yourself to the tzaddik. Three specific things. In lesson four of Likutu Ma'an, he writes, to attach yourself to the tzaddik, you have to do three things. One, to give him tzedakah. Today, that would mean giving people tzedakah who buy books and to do hafatzah. That's a very good example. To do what? To do hafatzah, to spread the books of Rabbi Nachman, for example, or to, whatever it is, you know? <laughs> it means spreading the work to the tzaddik, what the tzaddik represented. So if it means making a breast of center, for example, whatever it is. The second thing, is what? To see the tzaddik. What does it mean to see the tzaddik? One time there was a story of Rabbi Nathan. His student, Rabbi Nachman Mitulchin, once came to him and complained to Rabbi Nathan, I never had the merit to see Rabbeinu. You know what Rabbi Nathan told him? He said, you think the person who was taking him across the, the lake saw him? The person who was driving the boat? He didn't see him. The person who sees him is the person who studies his teachings. That's the person who sees the tzaddik because chokhmat adam ta'ir panav. The chokhmah of, of a man lights up a person's face. Meaning, what, what did it mean to see the face of a tzaddik? It's to see the chokhmah of a tzaddik. To study his teachings. That's two. And the three is to do vidud varim. To go to the tzaddik and to confess everything before him. This is a very interesting idea. And I'll give a story of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov once had a main student of his or one person that he was connected to that ended up writing a letter to the Baal Shem Tov saying he was very sick and he was on his deathbed. The Baal Tov, the man kept writing on a letter that he said, you told me if I, uh, if I did tshuva that I would be repaired. So the Baal Tov said, yes, it's true. So he went and he went to visit this person. He gets in front of the person and the Baal Tov tells him, confess everything you did before me. The man said, no. He suffered so much. Yeah. Baal Shem Tov said, okay, left. He went back a second time and told him, you have to confess everything before me. Tell me everything that you did. The man said, no. He went and he passed away. What's the Bashem Tov teaching? And Rabbeinu explaining lesson four. That in order to repair everything, 
especially the sins that you do and all the things that you do wrong, what happens when you do a sin, a sin is you write the letters of the actual sin that you do on your bones. They weaken you. When you go to the tzaddik, he rearranges the letters and completes it together. That's why it says, Shema Hashem Kol Yehuda. When Moshe was in the desert, what did he do? What did he do? He remembered the promise Yehuda did to Yaakov whenever he told Yaakov, I'll bring back Binyamin. But because he even did it and he brought back Binyamin, even his words were so powerful that Yehuda had to be punished that his bones were rolling in the kever for years in his coffin. His bones were rolling. Why? Because his confession wasn't done before the tzaddik. Who was the tzaddik? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu came and did the confession for Yehuda. And that's when it says the bones were put back together in its place. When did Moshe do the confession? In the desert. It says, Shema Hashem Kol Yehuda, right? I think. Hear the, the voice of Yehuda. Uh, the Hashem should hear the voice of Yehuda. What voice? The voice of confession. And Moshe was doing it for him. So we see three things. Tzaka, to see the tzaddik means to study his teachings to go out through his path. And the third thing is to do vidu dvarim. And how do you do vidu dvarim? You have to go to Uman and to go to the tzaddik. So there's, there's lots of things in that direction, but to be at the kever of the tzaddik is a power we can't imagine. Um, many times we see that Kaleb ben Yefune, we also see that whenever he went to be saved from the bad advice of the spies and the Lashon of the spies, where did he go first? To Hebron. Where did Yoshua go? To Moshe Rabbeinu. So we see he went to Hebron first to pray by the kever of the Avot to save them from the bad, to save him from the bad advice. And not only say that, how powerful is the kever of the tzaddik? What does it say in the Gemara? It says, Why was the kever of Moshe Rabbeinu hidden from the eye of Bnei Israel? You know why? Hashem hid the kever of Moshe because Hashem knew that when the Beit HaMikdash would be destroyed later on, Bnei Israel would want to travel to the Tzaddik Moshe. And had they went to Moshe and begged Moshe to pray on their behalf, immediately Hashem would have been forced to put the Beit HaMikdash back. So we hid the kever so that we wouldn't know where it was. But what's funny, I will get into it later, but we have a kever of Moshe Rabbeinu, and it's all the way in Ukraine and Eastern Europe, but it's just very hard to get there. The Yetzirah is, uh, is very strong. What about the timing? You mentioned the location, but he gave us the timing. He said on Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Rabbeinu said, it's not, Rosh Hashanah is the Ikar, right? He said, uh, Rosh Hashanah, um, it's like, I forgot, it's the Inyan Sheli, it's like, it's my Inyan. Inyan Sheli, my entire essence is Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> no man shall be missing. No man can be missing from Rosh Hashanah. I'll explain a little bit why the significance of how big this tikkun is. We can't even understand it, but uh, maybe a little drop. You know, you got the tikkun, by the way, at, in the cave with Chavi Shimon Bar Yochai. So we're going to discuss that a little bit uh, in a couple weeks. So David's going to discuss that on Mark <laughs> A very special thing that happened. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. But Rabbeinu says, you only need to come one time to do tikkun akali, to give tzedakah, and by my kever. You have to come to my kever to do tikkun akalim to give tzedakah. And I promise that I'll go across the span and length of creation to save this person and to bring him out of Gainam if need be. But, and pull him out of Gainam by his payout. We'll explain a little thing. You know what? I'll get into it right now and we'll, we'll continue moving on with it. So what do we say? I'm going to skip a few things because we're, <laughs> we're doing uh, a lot here. Now I'm going to just go into the Inyan of Rabbeinu. I think we covered enough topic and enough ground on the Inyan of connecting to the Tzaddik. Um, we'll move into this Inyan of Rabbi Nachman, and I'm not going to hide anything. I'm going to say everything Rabbi Nachman said. And for those who have questions, because the first question that you always get is when you hear Rabbi Nachman say things about himself, you have the question of, is he arrogant? 
The truth is, we don't understand arrogance or humility whatsoever. I'll give you an example. And this is just foundation, that way we know when Rabbi Nachman says something big about himself or what he can do, it's not arrogance whatsoever, chaz shalom to say that. Because we also say in Masechet Sotah, we say a tzaddik, a person, can, a person who has arrogance cannot live in the same world as Hashem. So, by default, if a tzaddik who is ish asher, ish elokim, ish asher ruachbo, the man who has spirit of with him, within him, the spirit of Hashem within him, by default he cannot have any arrogance whatsoever. And especially by Rabbi Nachman who said his arrogance, his humility surpassed the love of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is unbelievable to say. We can't understand that whatsoever. So the Gemara Maseret Sota, on the last page, at the last line, what did it say? It says at the time Rabbi passed away, Rabbi Yehuda Anasi passed away, it said fear of sin and humility ceased to exist in the world. Two Rabbanim got up and said no. Uh, in Amora, this was over a few thousand years ago, in the time of the Gemara. And Rabbi Yudanasi is the one who compiled the Mishnah. So imagine the level we're talking about, Rabbi Yudanasi. A rab by the name of Rab Nachman came out and said, don't say that fear of sin fear ceased to exist because I still am here. I'm still here in this world. And another Tana, or another uh, uh, Tana maybe, by the name of Rabbi Yosef said, don't say that humility ceased to exist because I'm still here. Which means we don't understand anything about humility or arrogance whatsoever. Because that could be sound, traditionally, the way we understand arrogance and humility, it sounds like that's complete arrogance. But the truth is, it's complete humility and we have no idea why. So, when we hear Rabbi Nachman say things about this, if we at least we accept he's a tzaddik, there's no middle ground. As Rabbi Nachman writes in Chalem Oran, with me there's no middle ground. It's either you believe I am the man that I am, or you believe nothing. But you have to be consistent. You can't just stay in the middle and just say Rabbi Nachman just like someone else when he said he wasn't. We see many times in Chayim Oran where Rabbi Nachman says that the tzaddikim are at the level of the shoulders and below and I'm at the level of the head. Ani Rosh tzaddikim, I'm the head of the tzaddikim. And I'll explain a little bit about to understand a few different inanim and different ideas about the tzaddik, Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Israel Kardunach, the teacher of Saba Israel, the one who received the petek, studied with Rabbi Moshe Breslever, one of the main students of Rabbi Nathan. It says he attained one of the highest levels. And he was in constant heat bodedut throughout the entire day. It's a level we can't imagine. Rabbi Nachman said, I wish my students would be able to do heat bodedut all day because it's the, the highest madrigat, the highest level a person can attain. To be in constant conversation with God. To seclude yourself, to speak with Hashem. Rabbi Israel Karduner came before Rabbi Moshe Berasleber and was learning with Rabbi Moshe. And what happened? Rabbi Israel Karduner told Rabbi Moshe Berasleber. Rabbi Moshe Berasleber told him, I want you to find the word in all of Likud Moran that comes up the most. Rabbi Yisrael Karadunar said, easy, tzaddik, the tzaddik. Rabbi Yisrael Karadunar responds, he says, who's the tzaddik? Who is he referring to? Rabbi Moshe Bresavar answered, he said, you are stupider than Paro. You know why? Because when Paro came to get advice from his astrologers, he understood they were all completely false, they had no answer. When Yosef came and provided an answer, and Yosef came and told Paro, and he said, you should appoint people to oversee the grain houses and to do this and this and this. What did Paro do? He understood that the person providing all the answers is the one who is the answer himself. So what did he do? He put Yosef at Tadik to lead everything. Which means what? The person who's speaking about all these concepts that no one spoke about before is the man, whatever it is, the man, the myth, the legend, I don't know. 
<laughs> what was he saying? Rabbi Nachman speaks about all these things. Things that no one has spoken about. About the tzaddik yesod about the power of the tzaddik. Which means it's obviously who? It's Rabbi Nachman. That's a ninan about Rabbi Nachman. And because we're extremely sick in this world, not physically sick, spiritually sick, we're very far from Hashem. And the truth is, we're in such a hastara, such a concealment, we're so far from God, that we're in a concealment within a concealment, Rabbi Nachman says. We're in a double concealment, which, which means what? Let's say a person does a sin, for example. The fact that he's sinning is hidden from him, meaning he doesn't even know he's sinning. You know what Rabbi Nachman says? Good luck. You're never going to get out of that. But the second you understand you're sinning, you can get out of that. But we know the famous song, even in the concealment within the concealment, even for a person that doesn't even know he's doing wrong, even for him, Hashem is with him. Hashem is there. He's just hidden. So about this inyana being hidden, we're so far from God. Rabbeinu says, the sicker the person, the better the, better the doctor he needs, obviously. Rabbi Nachman compares himself to, um, he brings himself in a story. And he gives an analogy. He says there was once a king who had such a son who was so sick, nothing would ever heal this son. The son was so sick, he couldn't even open up his mouth to take medicine. But even all the medicines in the world would not work. A big doctor at the time, the biggest doctor, came to the king and told him, in order to create a potion to save your son, you have to melt all the gold and all the jewelry and all the, 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 what? the diamonds and precious stones. precious stones that he had all his wealth and to melt it and to do whatever it is to crush it and to create a potion that would be able to heal his son. And not only is it a chance, you just have to hope for one drop to enter because just one drop will work. But that's, that's a chance, you know? That's a doubt that it will even work because the, king, the king's son couldn't open up his mouth to even take the potion. It was glued together. So the king said, it's worth my entire kingdom just to save my kid. So he goes and he does this entire thing and he fills barrels up with this potion and he pours it over the sun and he pours it over the sun as the doctor requested until one drop entered. And the doctor told him, just with this one drop, it's enough. Rabbi Nachman said, I'm the doctor. I have all the remedies in the world. Every word I have is a stone, is a precious diamond. All you need is one to enter your heart and you completely remove all the sicknesses, all the spiritual sicknesses in the world. Everything can be completely nullified before you. All the troubles in the world, all the spiritual dilemmas you have, just with one thing, with one word of Rabbi Nachman. Just with one. Because his words are so powerful and they delve so deeply into each and every person's soul. It's, it, you can't imagine it. I, I'm, I'm not going to go into describing it because I don't know how it works. So, uh, you want to say something? Yeah. <laughs> while, while he's uh, transitioning to something next, um, a lot of the stuff that when you hear this, this type of information, I'm imagining myself hearing this for the first time. And the truth is that it's very different than what a lot of people teach and that it's very different than what a lot of people try to show us in Judaism. For one of those reasons, is part of it is because of Mahloket and part of it is obviously the will of Hashem. The reason why that this is actually part of the Jewish people and the story and the concept of the tzaddik and, and, and what Moshe is discussing right now is so important is because in reality, we've lived through this and we've been going through this for every single generation since the beginning of time. 
And let me give you the best example because like I said, and I said this last class and I said this in the class before, that everything that we discuss, we can show proofs and parallels in the Torah. If you look at the Jewish people in the story of Moshe, the five books of Moshe, the main story about the Jewish people being saved from Egypt, you will recognize the exact same story that Rabbi Nachman is coming back to teach the Jewish people over and over and over again. It's just that Rabbi Nachman at the end of time made it so simply revealed and so open that it was just never revealed at this degree, um, in this degree of simplicity. But if you look at Moshe, Moshe was the tzaddik that went to Egypt to go save the Jewish people. He was the Mashiach, he was the salvation of Hashem. He had been sent to go and redeem the Jewish people. When he went to Egypt, Moshe we know is different than what a traditional Mashiach would look like because it says that the Jewish people kept three things while they were in Egypt, right? What are those three things? It says that they kept their clothes, it says that they kept their language, and they kept their names. Now Moshe, if you think about it, Moshe was named Moshe by Bat Paro. So he had an Egyptian name because he grew up in the house of Paro. He was dressed like an Egyptian prince because he grew up in the house of Paro, right? And his clothing was different as well. So Moshe didn't look like a Jew, but he was the Shaliyah of Hashem. So the Jews didn't recognize them, they didn't believe in the tzaddik. And it's simple, it's black on white, it's the story. We all see it, we all read it every single year over and over again, but we don't realize how simple it is, but it's right in front of our face. So 80% of the Jews died in Egypt because they didn't believe in Moshe and they didn't believe in Hashem. Then they leave Egypt, okay? And then they get to the Yamsuf. And the Yamsuf we see, Vayaminu Ba'ashem of Moshe Abdo. And we believe in Hashem and Moshe his servant. Why isn't, there's simple questions that many Rabbanim ask about the, the plagues of Egypt. We have it in the Sadaq, we have it in multiple situations where we say, why didn't Hashem redeem us himself? Why did he have this in Shaliyah? There's many different answers to that. One of the Kabbalistic answers is that the world that Hashem created before this world, he created without the concept of the tzaddik, and it didn't stand. I gave another example of it in the last week's class when I talked about emet, when I talked about what truth is. And that we'll discuss it again with the story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and eventually we'll discuss it then. But also, the fact of the matter is, is that the biggest emet that Hashem created into the world and that he brought into the world is the concept of tshuva. And tshuva through what? Connecting to the tzaddik to come back to Hashem. Now, let's continue with the story for just a brief moment, and then we'll continue back with what Moshe has to say. When Moshe then took them out of Egypt, they complained immediately. They complained about the bread. They complained at the sea. They didn't think that they were going to survive. They didn't have faith in Hashem. They didn't have faith in Moshe. And what was Moshe doing? Believing in them again. And then they went into the thing, then they had the man, and then they complained about the man. And then they complained, then there's the stories of Korah, there's the stories of the Meraglim, there's the Chet Aigel. And every single story is again, I don't believe in Moshe, I don't believe in Hashem. I don't believe in Moshe, I don't believe in Hashem. And it's the same cyclical situation. When you see the destruction of the temple, it's the same thing. When you see the destruction of the Jewish people, not believing in David HaMelech. When you see the same situation repeat itself, it's a very, very similar pattern that repeats itself. The pinnacle of the circle is connection with the tzaddik and connection with Hashem. It's the prophet living, it's the redemption, it's the living at the climax. Then, the tzaddik passes away, diminishing the belief in Hashem to the point that they hit rock bottom, which is all the different types of the worst things that's ever happened in the world, all the biggest destructions that have ever happened to us is whenever the tzaddik is not present. Moshe went up the hill, when, when Moshe went up the mountain to go get the Torah, we have the chet again. It's every single time that tzaddik is not present, you immediately see a massive removing of divine godliness in the world. To the point that, and like we said, what's the point of the tzaddik? It's to bring back all the Jews to Israel. And what's the anava of the tzaddik? It says even in the Midrashim that the Jewish people used to speak badly about Moshe. That Moshe never rebuked them, he never said anything bad about them, he only found the good. Rabbi Nachman's Torah of Azamra discusses that. That he always finds the good, he always finds the good points of Israel. That's what the Mashiach is going to do. That's how he's going to turn everybody into a tzaddik. The Mashiach is only going to find the good in every single Jew. To bring every single Jew back to Hashem. That's what he's going to do. It's very simple. But what happened? 
The Jewish people, according to the Midrash, say that they spoke badly about Moshe's back because they said Moshe doesn't have anything bad to say against us because he's sleeping with our wives behind our back. That's how they spoke about Moshe. Moshe that went up, that destroyed angels, that could split the sea, obviously through all the divine will, that can be able to open up the world, bring plagues, be able to destroy everything within his path. And still, nonetheless, they spoke badly about Moshe. And what happened? Moshe goes up, the, goes up the mountain, speaks to Hashem. Hashem says, let me destroy all of them and let's start again with you. And what does Moshe say? He says, if you want to do that, then erase my name from your Torah because that's not worth it for me. Even when he's the lowest, they don't believe in him. At the end of his life, by the way, Hashem tells Moshe essentially that you're not entering into Eretz Yisrael. Moshe's heart's broken. The Jews don't pray for him to be able to go in with him. His heart's broken again. But he doesn't say anything. He keeps fighting and keeps fighting because he sees that eventually... That eventually there's another tzaddik that's going to come that's going to bring them back, and then another tzaddik that's going to come is going to bring them back, and that's what we're going to discuss whenever we get to the story of Abishma Baruchai. But Bezat Hashem, this concept is very, very fundamental, and it repeats itself over and over and over again. Moshe is willing to do whatever it takes to make himself small, to be able to accept the Shekhinah of Hashem, to accept the glory of Hashem, to bring Hashem's glory into the world, and bring the Jewish people back to Hashem. And there's very few people that have the capacity to do that. We see this on a very little level. We see lots of Rabbanim that dedicate their lives. We see lots of tzaddikim out there today. Simple tzaddikim, people that are good and righteous. Not that tzaddikim is Odolam, but good people that bring Jewish people back to Hashem. This is the principle that we have to live by. Every moment to find Hashem and bring ourselves back to Hashem in simplicity. But that tzaddik is the master of being able to do that. He's the one that knows exactly how to do it. He's the only one that can enter against all the evil forces, the Satan, the Yetzirah, the Malach HaMavit, all the evil forces that exist in the world and all the negative angels and combat that and not fall into impurity. Tzaddikim today, Rabbi Nachman has a lesson that discusses how even big tzaddikim, whenever they try to fight and bring their students back and help correct them for their sins, they too get impure. But there's one that enters into that darkness and doesn't come out impure. He's still perfect. And that's the Tzadik Yisodoram. There's very few people that said that they can do that. But that's just one little bit of it. We can go a lot more and there's lots more examples when you go to the story of Korach, when you go to the story of the Meraglim, that you see the simplicity of the Tzadik and how the Tzadik's mission is only to bring the Jews back to Hashem. But this is, it was never explained so simply and so obviously until Rabbi Nachman black on white came out and really started making this very evident to people to understand that we need to attach ourselves to Tzadikim. We have this through old traditional concepts. If you look at the generation from last generation, the generation before that, we used to see people in Morocco and people that had a very simple faith. They used to be able to light candles. Why is it that people, when you see a, an old grandmother, for example, sitting in the kitchen and she hears bad news about her son got a bad grade on a test or the son got lost or whatever the, the situation is and they start calling out the tzaddikim how can I help them or they go and they go by mezuzah and they start doing a little hitbo they do a little prayer it's a simplicity it's not it's, it's a concept that Rabbi Nachman discusses in his books in much greater depth but there's a simplicity in being able to walk around and attach yourself to a tzaddik why? because you get to a point that you have this desperation that you need help and the tzaddik's only will, and the only thing that tzaddik wants to do is to bring you back to Hashem and to help you. That's it. There's nothing else. He doesn't get any benefit from it. The second that tzaddik takes any honor for himself, which unfortunately lots of people do today, when rabbis are in a shul or they're giving a, they're giving a shiur and they're saying, shh, be quiet, I'm giving over a very important dvar Torah, it has a little bit of kavod. It has a little bit of kavod for themselves. So immediately, that amount, that kavod that they take, is they remove of Hashem. But the tzaddik Yisodolam doesn't have that. He has zero of that. It's pure elokut. It's pure Hashem that the words that come out of his mouth are prophecy. They're divine inspiration. So we have to understand that, like Moshe was saying earlier, no matter what's going to happen, there's things that are going to be written in these books, in Kutemah and stuff, that we completely don't understand. That's why it's so important to just put a Jewish book inside someone's home. 
Just having the book of a tzaddik, just putting a Zohar in someone's home, just putting a book of, of Likut Eman in someone's home, it immediately, with, without anyone understanding a single thing, it helps bring a person back in Shuba. They don't have to do anything. They just have the book in their house. It doesn't make any sense. But we're not here to be able to try to make sense of it. Because the second you think that you're smart enough to understand it, is the second you say, Hashem, I figured it out, don't worry about it, I got this covered. But the second you say, this tzaddik who has proven and has dictated and has said, when you, no one ever comes out and says, I reached a higher level than Rabbi Shimon Bar right? For example, no rabbi today is going to go ahead and say that. But if Rabbi Shimon Bar says something, you're going to say, okay, I believe him. Why? Because it's a degree. I believe him because of the level that he reached. So now when you have people like that that speak like that, and you have emunah pshuta, when you have a simple faith, and the tzaddik says, if, for example, you're a man and you're struggling with your breeds, and you lose seed, or you don't have proper relations with your wife, or you're losing before marital relations, before you have a wife, and you're going to, and you're having marital relations that you're not allowed to have, right? And Rabbi Nachman, and the Zohar says, for example, that there is no tikkun there is no rectification for the breed. And the Arizal discusses how there's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of fasts, I think it's 90 fasts or 83 fasts, that a person needs to do for one drop that comes out of his body in vain, one drop. He says, even men that are married to their wives and they do it in the proper way, they still sometimes lose one drop. He says, it's impossible that no one did not the breed properly. So even that result that discusses this, that knew all the teachings of Rabbi Shemur Rachai, okay, and is also the Tzadikhi Sudanam, even that result discusses this. And then Rabbi Shemur Bar and then Rabbi Nachman of Rasad comes out and says, here's the Tikkun Abrit. It's very simple. You go to the Mikveh immediately, and then you read the Tikkun Akrayim. So when a person comes out and says something like that, it's so simple, it broke the system. It broke the system. All the people, all the rabbis that have too much in their head didn't get it. So what they did is they said, no, it's not that big. I mean, it's gotta be good. It's probably good, it's tehillim, it's probably worth something. Who are these people to sophisticate and to try to bring intellectual capacity to the people that are of this degree? They're not even close to it. They can't even see the level. They can't even imagine the level. So that's why there has to be a sense of humility when you come to the tzaddik. And the people that don't understand it is because they have too much gava. Rabbi Nachman discusses, Moshe Rabbi discusses, Rabbi Shemar Baruchai discusses. So if you have too much gava, you're the, like the 80% that died in Egypt. I didn't believe in the tzaddik. Or you believed in what? Why was it that Korach was joined with the 200, I think it's 250 elders? It, why doesn't it say he was followed by 250 regular people? The 250 greatest of the generation. Why? Because they said Korach's arguments are actually pretty good. He's actually pretty smart. Maybe he is better than Moshe. Some people even argued in the commentary say that he actually beat Moshe in the argument because he was smarter. But you want to know something incredible that the Zohar says? Even if a person is smarter and higher than the level of the tzaddik, it's still not higher than the tzaddik. It's still not higher. To the point that even that there's prophecies that discuss it with Elianavi and Elisha and Moshe and Yehoshua, that the student actually goes higher than the tzaddik, but he still needs the help of the tzaddik. It's a concept that's so unfathomable that anybody tries to bring chokhmah to it will instantaneously lose. Why? Because the second you bring chokhmah to the situation, the second you remove Hashem. And the tzaddik is only Hashem. So you need to have faith. This is where we bring faith to the equation. And people need to have imunah pshuta. It's hard. It's really hard to work on because it's very hard to do that trust fall. It's very, very hard to say, there's something that I cannot control in my life. It's very hard for you to say, you know what? This thing happened to me in my life, but for some reason, for some reason, I don't understand. I don't know why I didn't get my parnasah this week. I don't know why I'm struggling to pay my rent. I don't know why I'm dealing with this person that's sick in my life. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's very hard to have faith. But you want to know where you have, where you start to connect to the tzaddik? You want to know where you start to really connect with Hashem? When you start to give space to Hashem. That's what Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach you. When you connect to the tzaddik and you bring the tzaddik to the equation, what you're really doing and you're crying out to Hashem and you do it bodidut and you speak to Hashem directly, you're creating a space where it's only divinity. 
But the second you start bringing your own chokhmah and the second you start following people that are not tzaddikis odalam, you're gonna go and you're gonna get lost in the woods. And it's gonna harm you. It will eventually harm you. So, I went on a little rant, but go ahead. <laughs> Very good. Exactly what David was saying. There's one quality you need to have to come to the tzaddik. He hit it on the nail. You know what it's called? It's called bitul. You have to nullify yourself to come to the tzaddik. You have to make room for the tzaddik. There's a story where a big tzaddik at the time of Rabbi Nachman by the name of Rabbi Yudin, he came to Rabbi Nachman from hundreds of kilometers away to visit this big Rebbe, right? And he came to Rabbi Nachman in Breslev. He heard a lot about Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman. And this Rabbi Yudu, who was Rav of over thousands of families in his town, in the region that he was in. From Dashev, he came to Rabbi Nachman, traveled, and came to see what everyone, what, what the fuss was about. Came to Rabbi Nachman, and he asked Rabbeinu, he said, lanu Rabbeinu Hashem. May Rabbeinu teach us a way, a path in the Avodat Hashem. He's asking Rabbi Nachman, teach me a path. Rabbi Nachman, you know what he responded? Ladat. You want to know? Your path is in the earth. He got so pushed back by it, he stepped a few feet back. Few feet back and whenever he gathered up the courage, he asked the same thing again. Rabbi Nachman told him the same thing. You know what the aret is? You know what the land is? You want to know the path of the tzaddik? The path is in the land. The aret, the earth. Make yourself like nothing to know the tzaddik. You know why Rabbi Nathan was the main student of Rabbi Nachman? Not because he had the most wisdom. There were tzaddikim that were much bigger than Rabbi Nathan in wisdom, in chokhmah. You know why? He threw everything away. He said, everything that I know means nothing. You know what it says in Sifri? In, uh, I think the commentary is Sifri. It says, even if the tzaddik tells you right is left and left is right, listen to the tzaddik. It's unheard of. It didn't make any sense. Isn't it the same thing for Moshe with Yeshua? Yeah. He wasn't the bigot and he was still the... One chosen. Yeah, Yeshua, it's, it's the sun and the moon. Everything the moon is, you know what it is? The moon has no light of its own. The moon just reflects the light of the sun. It makes itself absolutely nothing just to take in and to take in and to spread. That's the tzaddik and that's the tamid. That's Moshe Rabbeinu, that's Yeshua, that's Rabbi Nachman, that's Rabbi Nathan. That's Arizal, Rabbi Chambitar, that's uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Elazar. You see it every time with the tzaddik is Yisodoram. That's a Magid and Mazrej and Nabal Shem Tov. You see it in all the five, you see the same thing. Everything. Every tzaddik has a Talmid who completely reflects all the light. Rabbi Nachman said, nobody understands a little bit of me. No one has had a taste of me. Rabbi Nathan understood a little bit. And Rabbi Nathan is the only one we follow. Everything Rabbi Nathan said we did. The only reason why we go to Uman after Rabbi Nachman passed away is because of Rabbi Nathan. After Rabbi Nachman passed away, it's because of Rabbi Nathan. Everything that we do is because of Rabbi Nathan. And there's a beautiful story, just to explain a little bit about the koach of the tzaddik. And I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just reading the words of Rabbeinu. So, <laughs> it's going to explain a little concept that I'm not going to get into it because it is quite, it's quite powerful. About what happens to a person when he passes away. And it's not a person, it's not a something a person wants to think about, but it's a very fundamental idea on understanding what a tzaddik can do. Before I get into it, David HaMelech was such a big tzaddik, 
It said when Avshalom, his son, rebelled against his father David, Avshalom, after he passed away, he had committed so many sins in his life, especially going against the tzaddik of the generation, his own father. He slept with his father's concubines, everything you can't imagine. Tried to kick his father out of Yerushalayim. It says Avshalom, his hair got stuck in a tree when he was riding something, and someone came and stabbed him. Avshalom was he gathered an entire army against David, and Avshalom was right. I forgot what it was. Either a I forgot what it was, a horse or something. And his hair got stuck in a tree, and he got hung. And came the soldier of David and and killed him. David Amelach, when he heard the news, he started crying. It said David Amelach cried so much, he started screaming, "Beni, Beni, my son, my son." It said he said, "Beni, Beni." The Gemara says eight times. You know why eight times? The Gemara writes that with each word, "Beni, my son," that David Amelach said. Avshalom, it says, went through the seventh level of Gainam, the seventh level of hell. In that place, there's no rectification whatsoever. In Rashid Chochmah, in the book of the Sod, uh, Kabbalah, it writes that there's seven levels of Gainam. Each sin brings you into a certain place. It's called Rovetze Tachat. It's a place you don't even want to know about. Avshalom went there. Every angel of each level didn't want to accept Avshalom of how bad he was, how tainted he was. The last angel said, okay, we have no choice. Avshalom went there, and when David Amelach saw that Avshalom went into the darkest place and he did have no tikkun, no rectification, <coughs> David Amelach said, Beni, Beni, my son. Why? Each time he said Beni, he lifted it out of gate of, of Gainam and brought him into Ganedin. Avshalom had no merit. The tzaddik has merit. And the tzaddik can choose whoever he wants to go up there. Rabbi Nachman said a, a powerful phrase, Ani I want to dwell among you. All the tzaddikim are in Ganedin right now. Every one of them. Rabbi Nachman, there's one Sadiq. You know where he is? Rabbi Nachman's in Gainam. He's repairing every single soul that wanted to do Shubha but didn't end up doing it. And he's saying, all these people that have no merit on their own, I will give them merit. Rabbi was doing all the Tikkunim imaginable and he's bringing every soul until every soul that's down there that deserves to be up there will go up there. That's the power of the Sadiq. Rabbi Nachman said, I'm not going up there till every soul I, I, I fix. Everyone. And Rabbi Nathan writes many times, anyone who trusts in Rabbi who comes to Rabbeinu, there's a beautiful story. The Rabbi Nachman, the Rabbi Nathan, the Rabbi Nachman told Rabbi Nathan something very big. Rabbi Nachman told Rabbi Nathan, when you go up there after 120 years and you get presented in front of the heavenly court and they tell you you have to come back down here if you do. You know what Rabbi Nachman told him? Argue against the heavenly court. Argue against everyone because your arguments count. Rabbi Nathan said, come on, my arguments count? He said, your arguments count. Every word you say up there will be, will be completely taken into account. Rabbi Nachman went as far to say, if a person goes and says, I will not go back down to the world, Hashem will not send him back down. Better you go to Gainam, to hell, you do your 11th month reparation and then you go to Ganeda and to come back down here because you know why? When you come down here, there's no certainty whatsoever you're ever going to fix anything. But Rabbi Nachman told Rabbi Nathan a secret and this Rabbi Nathan writes in a letter to his son Rabbi Yitzchak. He tells Rabbi Yitzchak, if you go up there and they tell you that, remember one thing. The only condition that you go down here to the fold is if you do one thing in your life. You go to Uman, you do a Tikkun Akladi, and you give Tzedakah by the Kevur That's the only thing that you'll be able to come down here and sit, agree with it. If not, don't go down here. But the one thing that you can do is to do the Tikkun, of Rabbi, uh, tikkun Akladi by the Kevur Rabbi Nachman, to go visit the Tzadik. Why? Because this is everything. Just by visiting the Tzadik, you can do everything. You're certain that you're going to fix. There's no, there's no damage. It's only getting better. That's it. All you have to do is to change and to desire to change. Even if you don't have the desire to change, to have the will to want to change, the ratzon shebe ratzon, the 
the will to, or whatever, the desire to want the change, even that counts. So it's something very important to keep. So back to the story. And sorry, I'm going all over the place. <laughs> Rabbi Nachman says, after a person passes away, this is in Chaya Moran and Kuv Bet, I'm not going to translate it because there's not enough, enough time. I'm just going to read through it. In Yerushalayim, there's a Bet Knesset, a, a shul, that every person that passes away, whether in Eretz Yisrael or not in Eretz Yisrael, is brought to this shul in Yerushalayim, this synagogue in Yerushalayim, to be judged. Fascinating idea. He says that they bring the, that person there, and there they judge him where his place should be, whether it's a Jew inside Israel or not in Israel. And in that place, at that Bet Knesset, that shul, what happens, the Bedin stands there, and they judge each person accordingly. And there are some that get judged, that they have no place to come back down to the world at all, or whatever it is. They have no place of reparation. They get sent into Kafakera. This is a very scary idea I'm not going to get into. Just imagine your soul rests in eter for eternity without any reparation. Those souls that did a lot of bad, that's where they are. Kafakela is something that you can't even imagine. There's, the Arizal explains sometimes that it's endless reincarnation to the point where you never ever have rest. It's Hashem Ishmor, it's, as Rebecca said, it's a, <laughs> it's a very scary idea. I'm not going to get into it. But Rabbi Nachman says, this is what happens to some souls. But what happens? And when they bring the dead person there, they bring him garments, clothing. And there was one, sometimes there's a person that comes without a sleeve, sometimes there's a person that comes without a corner of his clothing. What's clothing? It's the mitzvot that you do. The good actions that you do in this world provide you clothing. A person who's rid of good actions, <coughs> Rabbi Nachman says, he comes naked. One time, Rabbi Nachman says, they brought a naked person to the room. And he had no garment. God forbid, he writes. Hashem have mercy. That's why, by the way, tzaddikim are important because tzaddikim, they take the garments off their back and they give it to you. When you're attached to a tzaddik, a tzaddik takes the clothing off his back so that he can judge. He brings you in front of the judgments. You should also share after the story about the different types of bedin up there that Rabbi Nachman has access to them. It's very important. What does it say? They judge him accordingly and they throw him into this place that we don't even want to know. And this is what happened to this person who was completely rid of clothing, any garments. But comes a tzaddik echad. Tzaddik echad comes. One tzaddik comes. And he takes a garment off of him. And he throws it in. And the beddin asks this tzaddik, Why are you giving him your garment? This tzaddik, this one tzaddik responds, I need to send this man to retrieve my precious items. Or I don't know what limchoz is actually. My bad. Ah, so the place I, okay, that's much, that makes much more sense. And with this, I have the permission to dress him whatever I want because I have an action for him to do. I have, I have something for him to do. Rabbi Nachman goes on to bring a parable to this Bedin. Or this Sadiq goes on to explain why he's able to do this. Sometimes you see that an officer sends one of his noblemen, or one of his people. So one time an officer, a big person, a big nobleman sends one of his servants to go do something. And the servant is reluctant to go. 
So the officer tells the servant, why? Why don't you want to go? And the servant responds, I don't have any clothing. I don't look proper for the job. So, Anna hasar the, the big officer, the nobleman, answers, Come take one of my garments, and he got dressed within it. And he got sent to his mission. Because of the fact that I need to send the dead on my behalf, this tzaddik is saying, this is why I give him one of my garments. Just like this parable. The tzaddik was able to save him from the worst punishment that there is up there, kafakera. This is the story to explain the power of the true, true tzaddik that's able to do this. And David was saying, writes, there's 24 courts up there in the heavens. Each and every court, a person gets judged in. Right? A person can get judged in a certain court, but there's 24 types of courts, depending on what a person needs, the troubles he's going through, whatever it is. To give someone a pijon, a redemption, which means to take off a lot of judgment from him, you have to know which court to, that he's getting judged in. Because you might be presenting the wrong argument or an argument to a court where there's no person in. Rabbi Nachman says there's 24 courts up there. To do pidyon, this aspect of redemption for someone, you have to know each and every court. He said there was no tzaddik in the history that knew it. Because to understand it, you have to understand the secret of the goat on Yom Kippur. The goat that we throw off uh, the cliff. That's the only person that can understand, the secret to understand this. He said, I know each and every court. I can so decide that if I don't like the court that, or the decision that comes out of that court for this person, I can go take him to the next court. And each and every court I bring him to, the judgment gets lower and lower and lower. And by the 24 courts, if I still don't like the judgment, I'll go up to the Tsar himself and say, I don't like this. Completely remove it completely. Remove it completely. Who's the Tsar? It's Hashem. He has no angel. It's, it's nothing. He goes directly to Hashem and tells him exactly what he wants. And... Q&A. Huh? Q&A is when you wrap up. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain one or two last things. That way I don't keep you guys here for the entire night. I'm going to explain a few more things of Rabbi Nachman. And what we, David was saying earlier, I wanted to touch on, is that the biggest test today is that people try to remove us from the tzaddikim. That's the biggest machloket that there is. The machloket that people try to bring others away from tzaddikim, or the tzaddik specifically. The bigger the tzaddik, the bigger the machloket. We know Rabbi Nachman said, once he walked four Amot in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael, Dovid says this. He says, he brought back machloket to the world. The second he stepped four, four steps in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Nachman told Rabbi Shimon, the person who was attending him on his journey, as they say he was, or... <coughs> he said to Rabbi Shimon, I'm bringing back a gift to the rest of the world. What is it? It's argument. It's machloket. Why we can say it's a gift, no one knows. But the truth is, Rabbi Nachman's not here to take away free will. If a person wants to attach himself to the tzaddik, so be it. Rabbi Nachman chooses each and every person. We see many stories and many incidents, and this is going not even to Torah now, this is going to personal experience, not, not me. But I'm saying many people struggle that they're on the plane for Uman Rosh Hashanah and you hear crazy stories like the airline going bankrupt the day of. We had a Ruven. Uh, Ruven went and booked a ticket. He's about to get on his flight. The airline went bankrupt, bankrupt completely. You don't hear things ever like this. It's, it's unimaginable. <laughs> to go to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. Unbelievable. When Rabbi Nachman invites you, yeah, he invites you. When he doesn't, he doesn't. But there's a time and place for everything. The most important thing is to have the will. Because if you have the will, 
you can do anything you want. There's a beautiful story, Rabbi Nachman, the Rosh Hashanah before he passed away, 18 days before he passed away. Rabbi Nachman was having the last Rosh Hashanah of his life. And Rabbi Aaron Mibreslev, one of the biggest students of Rabbi Nachman, was the Rabbi Breslev, the big Rabbi Breslev. Just to show you how big this rabbi was, Rabbi Nachman told Rabbi Aharon before he went to Eretz Yisrael. And when he stepped four feet in Eretz Yisrael, he said, I surpassed all the levels of the tzaddikim before me. But imagine, before he went to Eretz Yisrael, he told Rabbi Aharon, he said, I give you the gift that in Olam Abba, you understand each and every one of my mundane conversations I said in this world, the way I said them. And you have the same understanding the way I said them in this world. That's my gift to you. Even Rabbi Nachman went as far to say, that the only three times he used Sechut Avot, merit of his forefathers, to ask Hashem for something, one, one of the three times he asked was to make Rabbi Aaron the Rav Abreslev. For what reason? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But three times he used Sechut Avot, his merit of his forefathers. And we know who his forefathers are. David Amelech, the Bar Shem Tov, we're talking about. Rabbi Nachman Horodenko, we're talking about Fega, we're talking about unbelievable people. Three times he used it, and one of these was for this. One of the, this time was for this person. Rabbi Aaron Breslev is traveling back to Breslev, and he's with Rabbi Nachman already at this point, and he's going back for the Chag Rosh Hashanah. It's a few days before Rosh Hashanah, and Rabbi Nachman says to Rabbi Aaron, "Oh, Rabbi Aaron comes to Rabbi Nachman. He says, Rav, I'm giving you my notice. I'm leaving.' Or he says, "I'm going." Rabbi Nachman says, "Ah." What a pity it's going to be not to have you on Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Aaron says, should I stay? Rabbi, Rabbi Nachman says, no, you have, a, you have to be Rav Breslev. You have a community to take care of. So Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Aaron says, okay. He walks away. He hears at the corner of his ear, oh, we're going to miss Rabbi Aaron. Uh, he starts running back. He says, you sure you don't want me to stay? Says, I'm certain. <laughs> Does this a few times. He repeats the same sighing and the same thing that he, he misses Rabbi Aaron for Rosh Hashanah. And Rabbi Aaron goes on his way. On the way, who does he find? Rabbi, Nachan, Rabbi Nathan going the opposite direction to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. Yes, Rabbi Nathan asked him, he said, where are you going? You're going in the total opposite direction. Rabbi, Nathan, uh, Rabbi Aaron says, Rabbi told me not to come. You know what Rabbi Nathan said? He said, even if Rabbeinu told me not to come, if Hashem told me not to come, if the entire world told me not to go to Uman Rosh Hashanah, I'd still be there. Because when the tzaddik tells you not to go, don't listen to him. You still go. <laughs> That's Rabbi Nathan for you. You see the reason why Rabbi Nathan was complete bitul. He said, if the, if the roads of Uman were paved with nails and with knives, I would crawl on my, four, on, on my two hands and my two feet just to get there. We know Rabbi Nathan took many journeys and sacrificed a lot to get to Uman, many, many times. Yeah, yeah, when, his, when his wife passed away and he left for Rosh Hashanah, that same year all his kids by themselves in order to go to, to Uman, and uh, it was something unbelievable. It's, uh, it's real devoted. It's like attachment we can't understand. It's, um, it's beyond. I'm going to finish with... Uh, you know what, I'm going to get into Rosh Hashanah because we're at the end here. <clears throat> and I want to discuss Rosh Hashanah because Rosh Hashanah is a very spe special idea of Rabbi Nachman. It's Rabbi Nachman's entire idea. He said anyone 
who comes to me for Rosh Hashanah, pray or not pray, eat or not eat, sleep or not sleep, you have to be there. Ish bar as Yoshua was saying earlier, no man shall be missing. I'm going to bring you a piece about the preciousness of Rosh Hashanah. But we were saying one thing earlier, and this is such a big thing. Adam Arishon, when he committed the sin of the Etadat, when he ate from the tree, we know Adam Arishon, the first man, had all the souls of Am Yisrael within his own body. Within his own Neshama, he encompassed the 600,000 souls of Am Yisrael. We know the 600,000 souls of Am Yisrael. Adam Arishon encompassed all these souls. Adam Arishon, when he committed the sin, all those souls got scattered in Galut. They got put in exile. There's five tzaddikim, as we were saying earlier, that never tasted from the tree. They warned Adam Arishon, and this is known, the Bashem Tov said it about himself, the Arizal in Shara Gidurim says, there's a tzaddik that's so high that he hasn't even tasted from the tree that Adam tasted from. Meaning his mind is completely pure. There's nothing, there's no taste of sin or death in it. We say Moshe Lomet in the Zohar, Moshe never died. What it means physically, yeah. Spiritually, he's more present than ever. We can't understand what it means. When Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai writes, Moshe uh, never passed away. But there's five tzaddikim that never tasted from the tree. Six, including the Mashiach. And that's why we're talking about Moshe Rabenu. Moshe Rabenu. And all these other five tzaddikim, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Bal Shem Tov, Rabbi Nachman, the Mashiach, and the Arizal, they all told, warned Adam and said, if you eat from this tree, we will leave you. You won't have, the, you won't have our neshama on you. And when he was about to do it, they left and they ascended so that they wouldn't be tainted from the sin. And what are so special about these five tzaddikim? We said they're tzaddik esodolam, right? It's for, in their merit that the world was created. Tzaddik, the pillar of the world. Each and every one of these tzaddikim, it says Moshe Rabbeinu, who they all represent the same neshama, Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu has the 600,000 neshamot within his own neshama. That's how he was able to repair all of Bnei Israel and to bring them out of Egypt because he and each and every soul that he saw, he connected to. What's so big about Rosh Hashanah? And this is just a small idea. This, the same day that Adam committed the sin was what day? Rosh Hashanah. It says the day that Adam was created was Aleph Tishrei. The day the world was created was Chaf He Elul. Six days before Adam was created. So Adam committed the sin on the same day he was born. He committed the sin on the same day he was born, which was what? Rosh Hashanah. And what happened? Adam scattered all the souls from out of his body. But when you go to the Tzadik, Rabbi Nachman, and Rosh Hashanah, what do you do? You repair the 600,000 souls when they go there. You bring them back to this concept of Adam. You bring it back to the Tzadik who's able to bring it back into one body because that's the entire Tikkun. When you're one man with one soul, when you come to the tzaddik and you all unite together under the branch of the tzaddik and the tzaddik is fighting for each and every soul to achieve, to achieve whatever he needs to do in this world, to completely fix everything, all the past reincarnations that he had, and to fix everything, when you come to the tzaddik on Rosh Hashanah, he does it. That's how big Rosh Hashanah is. It's just a small thing. And I think uh, we can leave it up for questions now at this point because I went much over time with David and not your fault because mine <laughs> we have a bad habit of going over time often so if you guys got any ideas because it's very important to ask questions um, so we can clarify things if we have the understanding to even answer it so. can, I, can I ask? I want to clarify something because I read that Rabbi Nachman said even if you don't attach 
to me, it's very important that you attach yourself to any tzaddikim. Definitely. Yeah. So, cool. I mean, to the big tzaddikim. Yes, of course, because in reality, what, what ends up happening is that people, sometimes some people are not going to be connected to Rabbi Nachman Abraslav, and that's okay. It's very important that people understand that that's why there was the head of the tribes essentially because that everybody has a different type of connection everybody has a different rectification nobody's exactly the same it just so happens that Rabbi Nachman can rectify any soul and he talks about it in Chaim he talks about it in Likut but in reality if someone feels very connected to another tzaddik and that tzaddik allows them to find the rectification that they need to in this world those tzaddikim too do rectifications Rabbi Nachman talks about it at, at immense length sometimes there were some people that came to see Rabbi Nachman there was one Rav that came to see Rabbi Nachman that was a Rav over 70 villages in Ukraine a Dayan and he had within him thousands and thousands and thousands of students that were attached to him. Massive tzaddik. When he met Rabbi Nachman Abreslev, he crawled to his feet, he took off his shrimal, because back in the day their, their head coverings were a sign of their intelligence and their leadership. He took it off and he said, I'm leaving everybody and I'm staying with you. You're my Rav from now on. I think Rabbi Nachman at that time, I think he was like 16 or 13 at the time. Or no, but there was a few different times that it happened because Rabbi Nachman already started to get followers at the age of 13. Okay, he was already revealing secrets at uh, on his wedding day. There's beautiful stories about this when he was 13 when he got married. He, he was doing he was revealing secrets that were that were secrets of the Kabbalah, literally at 13. But he didn't need to do it in an overt way. So he was very very young. He went already at this point. He he had said that he had already surpassed the Baal Shem Tov at the age of. What was it 13 16? At one point, whenever he says it, it was the, with the story with his uncle, with his with his uh, with his uncle, when he was sitting. There's a lot. There's a lot of stories. So but the, he but was hiding himself for certain He hid himself. Even people that were in the area, because keep in mind, he grew up. These are people that were very, very special. They grew up in the house of the Baal Shem Tov. These are people that were all mekubalim. These are some of the holiest tzaddikim of all time, just across Ukraine. Forget even the Breslev followers. But there are thousands and thousands of tzaddikim that are tzaddikim gemurim that are buried across Ukraine that are buried over there that were all students of the Baal Shem Tov, the Magid Mezrich, the, the Balatanya, the area of the Chabad students that are over there. There are hundreds and hundreds of tzaddikim that are over there. When you look at the students of Rabbi Levi, Yitzhak of Valdi, Shev, Rav Zusha, um, all the people that studied in the yeshivot of the Magid um, at the time, you have pillars of Am Yisrael that were praying for Am Yisrael at the time. Now, just like people today that are artists, that are lawyers, that are painters, that are that are businessmen, that are that are doctors, everybody has a different path that they feel. So, like I said, Rabbi Nachman, whenever you claim that you're the tzaddik Yisudam, you could repair everyone. He knows the secrets to how to repair every single person. But there are other people that don't necessarily, either through merit or through whatever the situation is, or through tikkun or through gilgul or whatever the rectification that they have to go through, they don't pass through him. They pass to other people. Other tzaddikim grab them and they said, "No, he's my student," and those people are grabbed by another rav. And, no, and that Rav also does rectifications and he does proper things as well. So it's very important that if people feel attached to another Rav, there's lots of people that feel very attached to Rabbanim of Morocco. And they feel very, very attached. There's not that many Rabbanim of Morocco that gave specific paths that people needed to follow in, types of, in terms of daily action and daily attachment to God. They had stories. Uh, a very good example of people that attach to Rabbanim that have a daily path that people follow is Chabad Chasidut. Chabad Chasidut is a perfect example of people that follow a specific seder of style of life, that followed the minhagim of their rabbanim. Those are people that are attached to tzaddikim. It's very important to do that. They don't happen to be attached to Rabbi Nachman Abrasa, but they're attached to the Rebbe and the Rabbi before that and the Rabbi all through these different lineages that lead back to the Alta Rebbe and eventually who was the student of the Magid of Mezrich, who was the student of the Baal Shem Tov. So 
people that are attached to that as well, it's very important. But across Hasidut, there's this concept that is unshakable, which is that you attach yourself to your Rav. And you have to attach yourself to your Rav. Because without attachment to your Rav, you really feel very, very, I don't know, very lost. On a very simple level, you can compare it to a person that's trying to go through school without a teacher, without a tutor. Can you imagine if you started learning, if you're a first grader and you started learning history, but like fifth grade history, and you didn't have a teacher, and you didn't have a friend, and you didn't know what the book was? Imagine if you didn't even know how to speak the language of the book. And you just someone handed you the book and they said, this is what you have to figure out. It's like impossible. But then imagine it in, in multiple degrees, because we're talking about finite knowledge. We're to, whatever you talk in Judaism, when you're talking about the soul, you're talking about a language that's spiritual. It's about the rectification of your soul. It's things that are happening in the world. You don't even understand why the things that are even happening to you in the world, because you might be repairing something today, some event that happened to you, has nothing to do with your actions. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has to do with the rectification that happened three giggling before you. You're repairing something that happened 650 years ago, today. You don't know why, you don't know how, but it's a merit. Somehow, the car accident that you got into today is a reparation of 650 years ago of work that you're doing that, thank God, Hashem is putting you in that situation. But it's crazy to say, thank God, I got into that accident. It's crazy, it's wild. Why? If you try to go too much into your chokhmah, you're gonna try to figure it out one way or another. But when you take the words of the Arizal, when you read Shahagil Gulim, when you read the books on re reincarnation, when you listen to the stories of the Baal Shem Tov, you understand that there's a much bigger picture to that's happening in the world that you understand nothing. Literally, bichlal, nothing at all. And the second you start to think that you understand something is the second you start losing. So it's very important to only listen to the people that understood the most and follow their path. But that's just a little bit. I mean, I could share with you multiple stories about Sadiqim that used to go to the Baal Shem Tov and there were times where a person, there's a crazy event that happened that a person passed away that was a simple Jew that did nothing wrong. And the Baal Shem Tov said, if I showed you what really happened in the upper worlds about how this person finally rectified something from 300 years ago, you would start praying and dancing and singing up there because you would see what they're, what they're cheering about because this person finally achieved the tikkun. One time the Arizal had a person that came to him that there was a very, very wealthy man that had his daughter that needed to get married. And the daughter wanted to get married to a person that was studying Torah all day long. So the man didn't do any business. The man was just a person that sits down and learns all day long. To Hashem, dedication, simple Jew. At the time, the person got married to the, got married to the daughter of this very wealthy man. The wealthy man had given the daughter and the husband, I think half the inheritance, a tremendous sum of money. Imagine millions and millions and millions of dollars, okay? The daughter passed away a few days after the wedding. It might it was within the wedding night till a few days after the wedding. The man went to the to the man the the new the newly uh, the new the new husband and said, "I want the money back because I did it for you to have money to protect my wife and to take care of my wife for the uh, my daughter for the rest of your, your life and to build a life. But she's not around with you anymore, and you could go back to learning and you're gonna get another wife and you're gonna figure out it then. But I want my money back." They went and they argued in court because the, the, the Talmid Chacham didn't want to give the money back to the, to the father. He said, no, it's mine. You gave it to me. I had it before the wedding and now it's mine. They went to Rav Yosef Koral and they studied with people and they had Chachamim and they made a judgment. They did a Beit Din and they said that they have to return the money to the, uh, to the wealthy man. The Chassid, the man that was studying, said, I don't agree. I want to go see the Arizal. He went to go see the Arizal. They came in front of the man. The Arizal looked at him and he said, he keeps the money. He says, the young man keeps the money. The businessman got very aggravated. Just to show you how there's different types of emet. Jewish rabbis, rabbis that are chacham, there are people that are emet, that are good people. They're shivim panim Torah. But there's only one emet lamito. There's only one person that ever came out and said, my Torah is emet lamito. It's the truth of Hashem. These rabbis come and they can make law. We have halakha today that is the law of rabbis. 
It's rabbis that come down and say, you're supposed to do it this way. But it's not necessarily the emet that's up there in heaven. We follow it because we have respect and reverence for rabbis. But it's not necessarily the emet of Hashem. That's why having a good heart and doing things with your right midot and the right intention is so important. Because when you do something with the right intention, you transverse everything that whether you did it right, you did it wrong, it doesn't matter. Because Hashem knows what's inside your heart. He knows your intentions. And the Arizal told him that the son keeps the money. And the, the businessman was arguing with him. And the Arizal told him like this. He said, in reality, in reality, I could do halakha like the other Rabbanim that you went and saw. And you return the money. He said, but if I do that, you two are both Gilgulim from 300 years ago, that he had stolen money from you, and now he has the opportunity, and you've been coming back for multiple Gilgulim in reparation of this money. Now, either you can leave him the money, you completely both rectify your neshamot, and you won't have to come back in Gilgulim, or you can give him back the money, and you guys are going to have to come back again. He said, so it's up to you. You want to come back again in Gilgulim, or give him the money, kapara, you still have a lot of money, you're a wealthy man, take it as a sign of Hashem, it's the biggest blessing you'll ever receive, both of you are done with your tikkunim, and that's it. So people don't understand that Darizal and the capacity of these tzaddikim, they see something that you don't see. We see sometimes things that doesn't even make sense. Anyone that would hear that story without Darizal, they would be disgusted by the story. They would be like, that's so weird, that's so off, there's something off about this. It doesn't make any sense. Why is it that the tzaddik is telling me to do something? But sometimes, very special people, they come into the situation and they, and they unveil the curtain and they show you the masterpiece that's behind. And they show you what's happening behind the curtain. That's why when we do before we go to bed, we say in the sins that we've done, that the things that we've done in this reincarnation and reincarnations before it. Why do we do when we do vidu every day? We say for murder, we do for... Why are we saying things that we are not even relevant? Right? But it's because we're doing things for rectifications we're completely unaware of. We were there at the Chetagel. We all were there and we all sinned with the golden calf. We were all there at the splitting of the sea. That's why when we do the Sadaq, we all say as if we were there. Why? Because we were actually there. We were actually all in Egypt. We're all reincarnations of that time. We lived in these experiences. And guess what? We kept on messing up. We kept on messing up. So it's beautiful to have a Rav that could come into the world through very, very simple teaching to come back and say, attach yourself to me and you're going to be doing what the Jews missed out on. And this isn't written anywhere in the Torah, but this is something that was a big chidush to me that, that, I, that was revealed to me in the last year. And I thank God about this every single day. But for me personally, I think this is the biggest sin that the Jewish people had ever done in the history of the Jewish people. The biggest sin that they did is they left Moshe to die in the desert. That's what they did. They lost faith in Moshe. That's the biggest sin. Because Moshe could have rectified everything and they could have rectified everything by being attached to the tzaddik. So the biggest sin in the Torah that's not discussed at all is that they lost Moshe. They didn't pray to bring Moshe into Israel. The Midrash says, I believe, and even the comment, I think Rashi says, that if they pray, I'm not 100% sure if it's Rashi, so don't quote me on it, that if the Jews had prayed to bring Moshe into Eretz Yisrael, Hashem would have let Moshe in. They, they, they left the tzaddik in the desert. The man that bled for them, the man that sweat for them, the man that prayed for them, the man that they spoke badly about behind his back, that he knew, that he still saw their face, and knew Chochmat Abatsuf, and still decided to judge them well, that no matter what, everything he did was to help the Jewish people, to pray for them, to cry for them, to plead for them. And what do we do? We spit on him. We spit on Moshe. In my opinion, this is what we're here to do in repairing the world. That's why we're here. We're here to repair what we did to Moshe. That's what we're here to do. And you want to know how we repair that, in my opinion? Uh, when I attach myself to Rabbi Nachman Abbasid. Because what I'm saying is, come hell or high water, no matter what happens, I'm still going to sin because I'm not perfect. I'm still going to lose concentration. I'm not going to pray sometimes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fall. Because guess what? The Yetzirah is too strong. It is. Black on white. It says in the Gemara, and it says in the, Chach and it says in the writings of the Torah and, and the Chachamim, that the Yetzirah alone 
against a man completely destroys a man. It's impossible. Only the divine presence and the mercy of Hashem allows for man to not be destroyed every single day by the Yitzhah. There is any man that thinks that he could beat the Yitzhah, think again. It is impossible. But the only way to surpass that is to attach yourself to something that can destroy the Yitzhah. And that is the Tzadik. And in my opinion, me, there's only one thing that I want to try to bring to my grave. That at the end of time, no matter how many sins I do, which can be plenty, in the end of time, they're going to come to me and they're going to say to you, what do you do? I'm going to say, no matter what, the first words that are going to come out of my mouth that I'm praying and I prepare myself, is that from the second that I pass away, I'm going to say, bring me Rabbi Nachman, bring me Rabbi Nachman, where's Rabbi Nachman, I want Rabbi Nachman, right now. Because the only thing I can rely on is the tzaddik. The only thing I can rely on is the tzaddik, because the second, when you start reading the Zohar and the passages about what happens when a person passes away, and you start realizing how many evil forces and all the negativity that exists in the world to suppress the Jewish people throughout time, there's only one thing that can surpass all that. There's only one that could have built the Beit HaRidash. It was Moshe. So when you attach yourself to the tzaddik, what you're saying is that no matter what, I'm never going to leave the sight of Hashem. I'm never going to leave the tzaddik of Hashem. I'm repairing that starting right now. So that's what I do personally. And it helps me in every little thing. When I pray, I pray with a little bit more intention now. It gives me a little bit more. But you want to know the truth is, the more that I attach myself to the tzaddik, is actually the more that I loved Hashem. Before, when I didn't attach myself to the tzaddik at all, when I was going to regular Jewish day school, an Orthodox day school, and they don't talk about this concept, I was learning more than I'm learning now, because I had more hours during the day and I was sitting there in school. And I felt less connected to Hashem, significantly less connected to Hashem. But the more that I attached myself to the tzaddik, the more connected I felt to Hashem. Because the tzaddik gave me love for Hashem. He brought me back to Hashem. So for me, there's nothing greater than that. For me, it's brought me all the salvation that I have today and all the salvation that I will have will only come through this. And it gives me that much love and humility to be in front of Hashem. And the reality is that it's all for Hashem. But I can only do it by attachment to my tzaddik. And everybody should find and spend a lot of time to figure out what their tzaddik is. If it is Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, great, fantastic. Then, then you hit the jackpot. And if you didn't, and if you, and if you attach yourself to another tzaddik, great, you hit the jackpot too. The people that I feel really bad for are the people that are not attached to tzaddikim at all. At all. They're going to have to come back. I forgot the name of, of this one Rav. I know I'm rambling, but since we're on the subject. There's this one Rav that was at the time of... Um, there's this one Rav that lived a few hundred years ago. He's a massive mitnaged. He was a person that was completely against the Hasidut, especially from the Hasidut that came out of Ukraine and the Hasidut that came out from Chabad and Breslev and, and um, the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and Magid. And no, it was not because it was definitely not the Gaon of Vina. There was a massive, massive, I, I'm blanking on the name, but Rav Yudavtaya, who was a massive Mekubal. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh. Rav Yudavtaya. Who? Uh, um, but there was a massive person that was a massive mitnaged at the time and he said a, he said a phrase that Rav Yudah Fataya says this he was the Mekubal of the last generation two generations ago technically and he said that I am rectifying one of the biggest Mekubalim that did Kabbalah Masit openly in the world is rectifying this man's soul. This man, you want to know what he said? He said, I'm rectifying because he said this and because he lived his life this way. He said that this man said that one page of Gemara is worth more than all of the Zohar. And that people that attach themselves to Tzadikim and, that, and they don't understand the works of the Tzadik and they don't understand the works of Rabbi Shema Baruchai and the real Tzadikim, they, he was completely against it. It's the types of people that speak badly about Tzadikim. It's the types of people that say that you only have to sit down and study Gemara all day long and you don't study any of the works of Tzadikim. And that the Rabbi Shimon Bar Chai is not the author of the Zohar and all this, and is not the, the, the root of the teachings of the Zohar, essentially. And this person, Rav Yudaftaya, came out and said, he was the biggest Sephardic Mekubal, the exact opposite. He said, I came into this world to rectify this man, who is the biggest of the opposite side. 
So just to tell you that you can sit down and study Torah every single day of the rest of your life and not do a single sin and learn Gemara and study Torah all day long and need rectification because you spoke bad about the tzaddik. Rabbi Natan, one time a person came to him and told Rabbi Natan and bragged to Rabbi Natan saying, I know a thousand pages of Gemara by heart. A thousand pages is a lot. Uh, look at a page of Gemara, you can't even remember the first word. You're already mixed up. Rabbi Natan said, my student Rab Ozer, he can say it, he can say a thousand times Ribono Shalom in his Hidbodudut. So sometimes wisdom is not the most important thing. It's really it's when you when you hear stories of, of Brest of Chasidim, you'll understand very, very quickly that there we said a lot of names of Rabbanim of Brest of Chasidut. You talk about Rabbi Avraham, you talk about Rabbi Nachman Atushin. These are Rabbanim that they were Rabbanim in their own right that had had Rabbi Nachman passed on some sort of Rabbanut, which would have not been possible, had he passed it on to someone else, all these rabbis, everyone we would be speaking about today because they'd be the greatest rabbis of all time. Rabbi Natan came from the side of the Mitnagdim, was the head rabbi, was supposed to be the Av Beidin at the age of 21. At the age of 20, sorry. He was the smartest person of the generation of the Mitnagdim. He, his, he married into the family of the head of the Mitnagdim as the, smart, the, small, the, the, uh, the smartest Chav of the time of the Mitnagdim. He said that his father-in-law was such a big tzaddik, okay, that he said he didn't know the difference between him and Moshe Rabbeinu. Of the Mitnagdim, Rabbi Natan says. And Rabbi Natan said, I was still lacking something. Rabbi Natan wrote parts of the commentary of the book of Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Bardichev on the parasha of the week. That's how quickly and that's how smart he was, Rabbi Natan. That when he met Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Balichev, within the first year, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak recognized him and said, you are the one to write the commentary. That's how wise Rabbi Natan was. It was a whole other level. And when he came in front of Rabbi Nachman, he was a zero. He became literally a zero in front of Rabbi Nachman. It, the level of bitul, the level of being able to nullify yourself, is actually so liberating because when you learn lesson six of Likute Maran, that you realize that when you make yourself very small in front of Hashem, that's when you realize the most of Hashem. And in Breslev Chassidut, Anava is a very, very, very important concept. In Breslev Chassidut, Bichlal, like I said in the last class, there is not a worse curse you can give to a Breslever. There's not a worse thing that you can tell Breslever and that you can give is honor. He doesn't want any honor at all because when you're giving him honor, what you're actually doing is you're actually removing Hashem from him. So it's so, so important to realize that everything within Breast of Chazid revolves around this and the reason why it's about the Tzaddik and Anava and all this stuff is because everything is to give the Kavod back to the Tzaddik and then to give Kavod back to Hashem. And the Tzaddik returns it back to Hashem. So it's just, it's, it's very fundamental. It sounds very simple and there shouldn't be that many things that seem contradictory to it. But unfortunately, the Yetzirah has done a really, really good job over the last 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years to confuse people in different generations to lose faith in the Tzaddik. So, what we're trying to do, in my opinion, is to, um, is to repair that. To show Hashem that we never lost faith in Him and we never lost faith in Moshe. That we're going to bring Moshe back out from the desert and we're going to bring the Mashiach that way. Because there is nothing greater than that. Should we end it? You can close up the recording.